Good morning. Welcome to all of you who are gathered together for lives being transformed by Jesus. Today we get a glimpse of how Jesus transforming one life creates a ripple effect through the whole community by the healing of a man born blind. And if you'd like to follow along today using the Quest Bible, ushers will be walking the Bibles down the rows that you can borrow today if you would like. The story is found in John chapter 9, if you're using your own Bible today, and starting on page 1568 is where you can find this story begin. And there's actually quite a lot of stories of Jesus healing the blind in Scripture, and each story, just like each person, is a little bit different. And these stories have always resonated with me because, honestly, if I wasn't wearing my contacts right now, I couldn't see the front, of your, the front row here. I wouldn't tell. I would feel like I was in the room all by myself. So knowing that about myself, I know that if I was born in any other time or place where I didn't have the resources that I have right now, my life would be very different than it is today. I'm very grateful for those things. And so thinking about that, the healing of this man's eyesight is obviously going to change and transform this man's life. And you'd think that transformation would be the high point of the story, right? Kind of like a fairy tale. He's healed and he lived happily ever after. But what I love about the way that the gospel writer John tells this story is that the bulk of what the story is really about comes after he's healed. This isn't actually a story about a physical healing. It's a story about faith. It's a story about the unbelieving world's reaction to Jesus. And it's a story about having the courage to follow Jesus anyway, even when the world doesn't see what you see. It's about the fact that seeing isn't believing. But when you actually see Jesus for who he is with eyes of faith, that's when real-life transformation begins. But for the people in this story, the journey into seeing has only just begun. In the now very old movie, At First Sight, does anyone remember that one with Val Kilmer? Very old, like I said. Uh, this man who was able to see when he was born lost his sight as a child, and he was able to have surgery to recover it. But when his eyes worked perfectly, he was surprised to find out that he didn't know how to see that he saw the shapes and the colors and images, but he didn't know how to interpret them. He didn't know how to attach meaning to the world that he knew. He couldn't tell the difference between a picture of a car and an actual car. He couldn't make sense out of how the sounds and the smells and the textures that he understood actually fit with the things that he was seeing. So for a long time, seeing was actually scarier for him than blindness because there's actually a lot more to seeing than just sight itself. And in the same way, though the man that Jesus healed could physically see, the healing of his eyes of faith actually took some time to develop. Through the process of telling his own story over and over again, he started to make sense out of what Jesus had shown him in this transformational event in his life. And I think this is important for us to notice. Because just like the man born blind, we also live our lives knowing that there is more to our existence than what our limited senses can take in. And knowing that keeps us spiritually searching for more. And it's Jesus' heart to restore our spiritual sight, to see the world through his eyes, and to see ourselves as he sees us, and then most importantly, to see him for who he truly is. But that kind of seeing takes willingness on our part to be shown more than our eyes can see. 
And on God's part, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts. The healing of this man's eyes is only where his story begins. His story of being transformed is actually the story of the healing of his faith. And I love the way that this story is told because we can see it happening. We can see how that faith is being built and him processing his experience through every interaction that he has with those around him. So if you're following along in John 9, uh, you see the first time he's asked to tell his story, he refers to his healer in verse 11 as the man called Jesus. Just the facts. I know what he did, and I know what his name is. That's all I know. The second time, though, when he's asked what he thinks about this Jesus, in verse 17, he calls Jesus a prophet. So obviously he's given some thought about where does this power come from. And he finds out as the one who experienced this miracle, people actually care to know what he thinks about it. So he starts to ask himself, what do I think about this man who did this for me, about who I am? And by the third retelling of his story, the Pharisees have started to get a little bit wary of his developing reaction to this Jesus because now they start to warn him. Because Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day, they tell him, we know this man is a sinner. And here's where we start to see this former blind man's personality come through. Because he is not willing to take that statement at face value. He is not willing to let the Pharisees tell him what to think about Jesus. He's not willing to judge Jesus on what anybody else says. Instead, he says to them in verse 25, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And if you think about it, you can imagine why he, of all people, might refuse to blindly judge because the whole reason we're introduced to him is because the disciples try to use him as an object lesson to ask Jesus whose sin caused him to be blind. And they're assuming it's either his or his parents. And that's how he lived. Without knowing anything about him, the world had already judged him a sinner just because he was blind. And it tells us something about this man's character that he would stand up against the authorities of his day and refuse to speak judgment against someone who had only done him good. And the next time he was asked to tell the story, in verse 27, he asked, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? Now, does he really think they want to be Jesus' disciples? I don't think so. I think this is him being a little bit sassy. <laughs> I think this is his not-so-subtle way of saying, what possible other reaction could you have to this, people? See, somewhere along the way, as he told this story over and over again, he started to see what it meant. He started to realize that among all the new things that he had been seeing, what he wanted to see the most is the face of the one who healed him. What he wants most is to sit at his feet and learn what this all means, not in side conversations with the committee, but directly from the one who reached out to transform his life. And realizing this, he wonders, shouldn't you holy type people want to learn about God from a man like that? And the last time they come to ask him, he's moved on from a bit sassy to full-on sass. Because it's clear to him now that his questioners have an agenda. And they're not trying to learn who Jesus is. They're just looking for a way to dismiss him and discredit him. So finally, seeing that clearly, he's just had it. And he goes off on them. Here's my paraphrase of verse 30 through 33. This is unbelievable. 
You don't know if he's from God or not. He just healed my eyes. I know you're supposed to be the faith experts and all, and I'm just a former beggar, but I'm pretty sure if God didn't give him the power, he wouldn't be able to heal me. So I know this seeing thing is new to me, but I'm pretty sure I'm seeing this clearly. <laughs> the... <laughs> and the question is, why aren't you? Right? Sassy, right? And that did it. They were so angry, they kick him out of the synagogue, and there are no more conversations after that. And that getting kicked out for him was a really big deal. Because I'd imagine all he'd ever wanted in life before was to fit in, right? To be like everybody else, to be able to see what they see. But now this man realizes he's actually able to see more than they could. Because he's not looking with only his eyes, he's looking with more, he's looking with his heart. And he actually had a lot of practice with that. Because the fact is, he had been an outsider for so long, he wasn't interested in maintaining any kind of status quo like they were. So he was perfectly free to just recognize where God is moving and follow. And all he knew was he'd been given a brand new life and nothing was going to stop him from following the one who gave it to him. Not even those he used to hope to impress. And it's strange that this man who used to be limited at the synagogue because of his blindness is now promptly kicked out because he sees. And what he sees is the Lord among them. That those who were supposed to be looking for the Messiah somehow missed. But I think we can be like those Pharisees sometimes. We can be looking so hard for where we think and we expect the Lord to move that we can actually miss where he is right among us. Because so often we pray for God to show up in ways that make sense to us. And we pray, Lord, if I could just win the lottery, if I could just find the perfect house or the perfect mate or lose 10 pounds or be healed or get that job or you fill in the blank. But God knows our needs and he's good and some of those things he'll give. But at the end of the day, none of those things are what we're really looking for because none of those things matter for eternity. Our blessings can be used by God in the revealing of his glory, but the glory isn't in the blessing or the healing or the provision. It's in the one who meets us to transform what is eternal in us by his presence. And that can happen in any circumstance. Now, at the beginning of this story, when we're introduced to this blind man, it's as the disciples' object lesson about finding fault. They're asking who's to blame that he's blind. But if you'll notice, Jesus doesn't waste any time with that. He has no interest in even discussing that. Instead, his response is all about God's redeeming purpose. In the Greek, his response translates, neither sinned, but may the glory of God be revealed in him. Who's to blame is the wrong question. What will God do through this life right now? That's the question to ask. No matter what got you where you are right now, now is the moment of God's redemption. Now is the moment Jesus wants to intervene and transform your story by his healing grace and his love. Now is when Jesus wants to start you on your journey of truly seeing what life is for. And that might start with the Lord dramatically getting your attention, or it may begin simply by beginning to realize the way he has already been working, his good work in you. As the man who had been blind tells his story, it becomes more than just the story of what happened to him. It becomes the story of what God is doing through him. 
And he starts to see himself as a part of the greater story of God's redeeming love for the world. And the more he sees of that story, the more he wants to see. And the same is true for us. As we learn to tell our stories of faith to others, we begin to see more and more of what our stories actually mean for us. But sometimes it takes a while of looking at our stories to see how Jesus has been at work in us and through us. But when we see how Jesus has worked in our past, it helps us to recognize where Jesus is at work right now in us. And as we share our stories piece by piece and the picture starts to come clear for us, our stories become for other people too part of the larger picture of how Jesus works in the world, maybe even in their lives too. See, the truth is we only see very little of what God is doing. And when I look at you, I'm very aware I don't know what it's like to live life in your shoes. I'm blind to what that reality is for you. I only know what it's like for me. So I can't tell you how God will move to display his glory in your life. But that's not my story to tell. It's yours. And when you share your story with me, and I recognize Jesus at work in you. It helps me to see Jesus at work in my life too. And seeing that helps me to trust him for those things that I can't yet see. To say, Lord, I believe. See, faith builds faith. And in our stories of being transformed by Jesus, the truth is we are all just works in progress. But sharing our stories encourages one another to see how Jesus transforms lives. But it takes courage to stand up to a world that will often choose to see and hear a different story than the one you're telling. It takes courage to keep telling what you know, like that stubborn but courageous man, formerly blind. Because once you see, you can't pretend to be blind any longer. And Jesus is worth standing up for. And realizing that itself is life-transforming. You see, once this man, formerly blind, figured out of all the things that he didn't know, what he did know was that he wanted to stand with Jesus, no matter what anyone else had to say about it. He doesn't have to go looking for him. Jesus finds him. And by the time he actually gets to see Jesus with healed eyes, he's ready. He's ready to follow, come what may. What has that journey been like for you? Are you still on that journey? Our ultimate healing was completed for us by Jesus in his death and his resurrection. And his gift alone is the source of our new life, our new identity, our life and our future and our hope beyond anything that eyes can see. But we truly see it as ours. We begin to live into that power and that joy when, like the man born blind, we can see Jesus as he is and respond to him, Lord, I believe. In Jesus' saving work for us through the cross, we're washed clean from sin and guilt and shame and death. So his transformational power makes our stories part of the greater story of the glory of God unfolding in the world. And people are still being transformed by Jesus' love. And the more we tell our stories, the more we see it. And so does the world. So to take a step forward into living into telling our stories, through this Being Transformed series, different congregation members are sharing their stories about where they've experienced 
transformation in Jesus. And today's testimony is from Dan Stein. And recently, Jesus has been at work in powerful ways in Dan's life, opening his eyes to see a different kind of life that Jesus has for him, to give him hope and a future in Jesus' love. And each day, the Lord has been showing him ways to step into that new way of seeing his own life and the world around him through Jesus' eyes. So here's Dan's story. Dan Stein's journey is in a time of transformation. Raised in a Christian household, he admits he hasn't always followed the right path. Fully selfish, living in sin, doing whatever I wanted to do, which is the free choice of all humans. Dan says working in the hospitality industry kept him at the forefront of temptation. Drug and alcohol use took its toll, and he made regrettable decisions that ultimately got him in trouble with man's law. That only caused heartache, and that hurt a lot of people. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm tired of living that way. But God is generous in giving opportunities to be in relationship. And Dan is taking him up on that, daily recommitting and asking to be part of God's greater plan. There's this blind man. And he's just walking and he's trying to get to this location. Am I in the street right now or where am I? And I'm like, right there. And then God was like, help this guy out. Here you go. Be like Jesus. Only God could have placed me there. That was not on me. Dan says sharing his story is a constant reminder that God's promises remain. Just a, a calming feel of knowing that no matter how far gone I went, that Christ still has me. Dan Stein, like all of us, a work in progress. See, there's a reason why we call this series Being Transformed instead of just Transformed. Because like for the man formerly blind, the transformation Jesus wants to bring in us is through daily showing us where he's working in us. It's through relationship with him. All of us are a work in progress as we learn to follow Jesus. So how is Jesus transforming the way you see yourself, the way you see the world, the way you see his heart? And are you open to follow where he leads you? If you are, I have a three-point challenge for you this week. The first challenge is to open your eyes of faith and take a look at your story, your life, and see where has Jesus been working in your story, in your life. Spend some time, journal about it, think about it. Where have you seen Jesus at work in your own story? And then secondly, to share part of your story, even a small part, with someone else this week of how you've seen the Lord at work in your life. And then third, ask someone else how they have seen the Lord at work in their lives. But if you ask them that question, please, please be willing to receive their story with grace because it takes so much courage and vulnerability to be able to speak to those places where we're listening to the Lord. But what a blessing it is to both hear and to tell those stories of Jesus' transformational work in each and every one of our lives. You see, like the man formerly blind, we are transformed by the loving intervention of a Savior we have never seen. But that will not always be the case. One day we will see him. When all that makes us blind to him in this life falls away, we will see Jesus as he is. And until that time, as Jesus' people, keep telling his story. Keep looking for him in your story and in mine, as together we follow the one who's transforming this world one heart 
at a time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you meet us right where we are in our brokenness and our need, that you reach out to transform us love by your love alone, by your power alone, Jesus. And we thank you for that grace that makes us new. And we pray, Lord, as you lead us in discipleship, that by your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to see the places where you're at work in us. And as we tell our story over and over again, that we would see more and more the places of grace, how you've been at work, the touches in our lives where you've directed us and steered us and drawn us to you. And we pray, Lord, as we see the evidence of your glory in our lives, that we would share those stories with others, that we would help them also to see how you're at work in their lives, Jesus. We thank you that you're not done with us yet, that in every step of the way, Lord, you show us more and more of your grace and your call to each one of us. So we pray that you would bless us this week to open the eyes of our hearts to see where you're at work in us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.